Chapter 8 of The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson. The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods by Herbert Carter. The Uplift of a Boy Scout. They all listened and heard the faraway howl several more times. Eli even declared that it was not the same beast that gave tongue, but a different one, and this seemed to bear out his statement that the animals usually hunted in packs. If a bunch of them had crossed the St. John's River and taken to chasing deer in the forbidden territory of Maine, the tidings would soon spread, and every guide be on the lookout. If so be you run across airy wolves, knock em over like vermin, Eli remarked during the discussion of the subject that followed. I guess everybody's got his hand raised against the poor old wolf, ain't they? asked Bumpus, who often felt sorry for the underdog in a fight, no matter if it happened to be a strange cur he had never set eyes on before. Why not? asked Tad immediately, when the wolf is no respecter of persons and will pull down anything that can be used for food. The world over they are hunted because they do so much harm. It has always been so from the time the shepherds of Bible times tended their flocks on the hills of Galilee. And as long as living things stay on this old globe, man and wolf will never agree. And in every state where they used to run, there has always been declared a fat bounty on wolves, Allen observed. Why, right now, Maine is paying large sums of money to get rid of her vermin, such as wolves, wildcats, panthers, and snakes. I've read that as much as $400,000 has been paid out in bounties since 1903. Yes, laughed Tad. And that's where the joke comes in. I read that same article, which was mighty interesting, too. It went on to state that some smarties are not content with getting the regular bounty. They grow a gray cat that looks on the order of the wild article, shorten the tail, draw out the claws, and then send in the skin, claiming the six dollars that is paid for each bobcat actually slain within the borders of the state. It was the turn of old Eli to laugh now. I heard tell or a sharper has cut off the rattles from a lot of old tame snakes he kept shut up and sent em in for the bounties each rattle brings, and then he expects his pets to grow new rattles, which, howsomever, I don't guess they can. But that air story goes to show what some men will try and do to beat the poor old government people. Phew, and I just can't stand for snakes at all, remarked Step Hen. If ever I felt one touch me, I believe I'd nearly take a fit. Ha! Let Davy do that, cried Giraffe quickly, at which there was a shout that must have made the two guides stare until the joke was explained to them. It seemed that once upon a time Davy had been subject to sudden severe cramps in his stomach that used to double him up like a hinge and render him incapable of action. His teachers at school had been duly warned, and many an afternoon had Davy been granted leave to go home because of a sudden attack though it must have departed as suddenly as it came since he was generally seen flying his kite on that same afternoon and the cramps never attacked him on a dull rainy day when he joined the scouts davy wishing to shirk hard work had commenced to have these queer cramps but wise tad believing that the other must long ago have outgrown the disorder and was only shamming laid down a course of treatment so severe that singular to relate davy had ever since been utterly free from the infliction which the rest of the boys considered simply wonderful 
and that was why there was a shout with all eyes turned toward davy jones when by mere accident step hen mentioned the word fit but davy only colored up a bit and grinned amiably that's a dead issue fellers so you didn't stare at me that way he remarked composedly never again tad cured me right off the reel nothing like heroic treatment when all else fails he said and it did the job clean as a whistle i never can have a fit again if i tried you'd better not remarked bumpus solemnly winking his left eye at step hen and significantly touching a good-sized club he had at his side but that howling of the wolves hunting for their supper far away did not keep the boys from enjoying a good night's sleep of course there was some sort of watch kept but those who were not entrusted with the vigil had no reason to bother their heads over it all night long they slept in absolute safety if eli jim allen and the scoutmaster took turns being on deck to make sure the camp was not raided that fact did not keep the other four from slumbering as peacefully as though tucked in their beds at home and under the parental roof another dawn found them awake and only too anxious to get a good warm fire started for the frost was surely around them and at that early hour it bit severely too but they could always depend on giraffe to coax the wood to do its best in dispelling the cold atmosphere and soon they were no longer shivering but fully dressed and assisted in getting breakfast tad cast his eye upward several times during the progress of the meal you seem to be anxious about something mr scoutmaster remarked step hen who had been highly favored that morning being chosen to accompany the leader on a hunt for fresh meat and step hen was therefore more interested than the others in what seemed to have aroused the attention of tad i was wondering whether we mightn't get our first snowstorm before another sundown that's all replied the other with a smile now however could you tell that when everything looks bright and oh be joyful to me up yonder burst out the wondering bumpus well there are some things one can know partly by instinct and find it pretty hard to explain tad went on to say i seem to feel a something in the air that says snow as plain as words it may be just a sort of dampness but that's the way about it then i notice the direction of the wind which is northwest and the cut of those few cirrus clouds lying low near the horizon i can't exactly explain so that you could understand but if i was asked my opinion i'd say we'll see the snowflakes flying before many hours how about that demanded step hen turning on eli and jim he's right cause there's a gonna be a summit o a fall perhaps twon't amount to much nobody can tell that but it says snow all right the first guide observed after taking a look all around me too was all jim said but he accompanied the words with a vigorous nod in the affirmative that stood for a lot that settles it step hen declared i'm going out prepared for business never did like to be snowed under any way you take it too bad we ain't got a snow shovel along remarked giraffe sarcastically oh you can joke all you want to snapped back the other you're so lofty you needn't mind an ordinary snowfall if it got up to your chin you could still manage to stretch that rubber neck of yours around and feel comfortable but i ain't in the same class you see with my ordinary figure and short neck but all i meant to say was that i'd keep my sweater on under my coat and stick my woolen gloves in my pockets loan you my earmuffs if you say the word step hen spoke up bumpus well now that's decent of you bumpus the other scout remarked but you see this old corduroy cap of mine has ear flaps that can be turned down it's just a bully thing for a cold windy day 
but after such a generous offer bumpus why i give you my full permission to turn over your badge you've begun the day bright and early by trying to do a generous deed for a comrade of course what step hen referred to was the well-known rule by which the great body of members composing the boy scouts organization of america has been governed in order to teach the units of each patrol and troop the benefits to be derived from making themselves useful to others in the morning every scout is supposed to pin his badge upside down on the lapel of his coat and is not allowed to change its position until he has found an opportunity for helping someone either by act or advice that is really useful it may only be a very simple thing but it teaches the lad first of all the useful attribute of observation and after that the still more precious one of service even though he but assist an old man across a street where vehicles are numerous or take a market basket from the hands of a housewife who is staggering homeward under the heavy burden the effect is the same it makes his boyish heart thrill with a satisfaction that develops the trait of generosity and gives every lad a more manly sensation for he realizes that small though he may seem he is of some value to the world oh said bumpus blushing i guess i hadn't ought to take advantage of such a little thing as that so as to get my badge turned i'll find a chance to do something that's more worth while before the morning's an hour old and step hen if you bring home the bacon in the shape of a noble six-pronged buck you must let me take your picture with your foot on the prize why it will be the most valuable heirloom in your family years from now your great-grandchildren will point to it in pride and tell how you slew the jabberwock in the woods of maine well grinned step hen wait till i get the buck i don't count my chickens before they're hatched and i hope for one thing that when we do come back there's going to be a little peace in the camp and that our friend giraffe here will have solved the riddle that's been worrying him so long them's my sentiments giraffe made a mock bow as he remarked in his most amiable way much obliged for making that wish step hen and from present indications i've got a sort of hunch that something is going to happen along them lines woke up in the night after having a dream and it all came to me like a flash where i'd been making a mistake and as soon as i get through eating i'm gonna work trying to start things just like i saw in my dream oh i'll get there sooner or later by hook or by crook you never saw me give a thing up yet hey what's that remarked davy jones quickly how about that time you got in old farmer collins's watermelon patch one night and hooked a nice big melon he had doctored so as to teach the boys a lesson oh i know because i was along with the crowd and seems to me you gave up everything you owned during that never to be forgotten hour i know i did and i've never eaten a melon since without shivering say quit that melancholy subject won't you demanded bumpus i don't like to be reminded of my wicked past because i've turned over a new leaf since i joined the scouts why you couldn't tempt me now with the biggest grandfather watermelon ever grown Brrr. it makes me shake just to remember some things that happened in those old days when i went with giraffe and davy jones and the rest of that lark-loving crowd half an hour afterwards tad and step hen started out guns in hand knowing that the patrol leader was perfectly at home in the woods no one bothered about giving them advice or predicting all manner of direful calamities ahead let it snow and blow as it pleased tad was enough of a woodsman to know how to make himself comfortable and get back to the camp on the lake shore in due season 
of course bumpus had been more or less disappointed because he did not have an early chance to prove the merits of his new gun since he had been taking private lessons from one of the guides in the way of handling firearms but tad had promised that the fat boy and giraffe should have the next chance for a hunt they were canoe mates and seemed often thrown together perhaps because they represented the fat and the lean of it and as bumpus was fond of saying extremes meet half an hour later and the two young nimrods had managed to get a couple of miles from the camp but as yet they had not sighted that wonderful six-pronged buck which step hen was to lay low they walked along about fifty feet apart tad generously allowing his companion to be a little in advance of him this he did really because he wished step hen to have the advantage of the first shot being confident that if the other failed to bring down the game he would still have some show before the deer could vanish from sight then again it was just as well to have step hen in front he was inclined to be nervous and some sudden whir of wings as a partridge flew out of a nearby thicket might cause his finger to press on the trigger of his gun a little harder than he intended tad believed in being on the safe side every time step hen carried a lovely little repeating rifle of the thirty thirty type and his ammunition was of the soft-nosed kind which as it mushrooms on striking is just as serviceable as a ball three times as large while tad had his double-barrel marlin shotgun a twelve-bore with buckshot shells meant for big game as they were passing through what seemed to be a tangle such as is seldom met with in the pine woods of maine where they had to dodge trailing vines step hen in trying to avoid one that threatened to catch him by the neck managed to stumble over a log and go sprawling forward his gun flying from his grip but fortunately not going off but immediately step hen commenced to thresh around as he shouted out as they were passing through what seemed to be a tangle such as seldom met with in the pine woods of maine where they had to dodge trailing vines step hen in trying to avoid one that threatened to catch him by the neck managed to stumble over a log and go sprawling forward his gun flying from his grip but fortunately not going off but immediately step hen commenced to thresh around as he shouted out tad oh tad hurry up and help me out of this my legs are twisted in the vine and something bit me i know it must have been a rattlesnake and i'm a goner end of chapter eight